0: Hello, and welcome to the Haiku P podcast with me, Patricia Maguire. Today, I have some great haiku and senryu for you. A little chat with Stanford M. Forrester and a favor to ask of you. But first, a few reminders. I'm very happy to tell you that the autumn journal is now available for download. Head over to the website to get the link. It really is a cracking journal and lots of work went into preparing it by so many people. I really hope you enjoy it. Now I've had a lot of emails about topics and I just wanted to remind you they start again in February. There will be some new emails for submissions. I get so many submissions these days that I need some different emails just divide them all up. And then there are some new submission deadlines. So do sign up for the mailing because I'll remind you about everything through that. Of course the information will also be on the website and if you click on the submission pages you should get it all there. In January there'll be a workshop on colour in haiku. And a heads up for you, that's going to be our first topic of 2022. Now, did you know that we nominate poems from the Poetry P Journal for the Touchstone Awards, the Pushcart Prize and Red Moon Anthology? And if I'm missing an opportunity to nominate your work for awards or anthologies, do let me know. So anyway, at the end of the calendar year, I put together my top 40 faves from the journal. I do try and be objective. I have guidelines for submissions for the journal, and so I keep to those when I'm choosing my favourites. But I also look at the craft the poet demonstrates in the individual poems, and, of course, they do need to resonate with me. So there's a little bit of subjectivity there too. Over the next few podcasts... I'm going to let you know my favourites for 2021. If you disagree with me, have I missed a poem that you really felt should be on my list? Do email me and tell me. I'm going to start, quite naturally, with our first journal this year. Spring 2021. Cherry Blossoms I only need to write Two Lines Valentina Rinaldi Adams Digging the Garden The Robin and My Coat Sitting on the Spade James Young Each Day Follows the Next Duckling Brad Bennett Almost poetic, I wandered lonely on a locked down high street. Tracy Davidson Afternoon snow, the hen doesn't notice, the sky is falling. Kristen Linquist. Summer orchard, a pear drips from her paintbrush. Isabel Caves A Thousand Birds Outside a Song Stuck in My Head Craig Kitner. Willy War, Gales from Another Planet Rush Through Me Doris Lynch A Night Breeze Bends the Blossomed Branch Newlyweds Robert Whitmer Floating voices, geese ride a current to still water. Craig Kittner Map Lichen, the time it takes a river to carve a valley. Kristin Linquist. Now as many of you will know, I've been saving for a new microphone and I'm happy to say that thanks to you, I will be buying it. I like a specific brand of microphone, and whilst I've been saving up, they've brought out a new version, and it's not available here in Switzerland yet, so I'm going to wait until I can get it, hopefully in the new year. Thank you so much to everyone who helped me get there. And now I'm planning for next year and into the future. I do have a few ideas for complimentary podcasts, specialist series, and so on. And so I need to expand the technology available to me. Upgrading the website, for example. Because it started as a hobby blog. And thanks to you, Haiku and Senryu have become more than a hobby. And I need to do something to make the website more functional for you to use. To let you find all the resources we have so much more easily. That's what I'm saving for now. Improving the service I can give to you. If you can help, do go and buy the podcast a coffee, because every little bit helps. And so let me thank our coffee supporters for November. It's thanks to you that I finally financed my new mic. Let's have a round of applause. applause for Carl Setzer, Bona M. Santos, Tony Williams, Isabel Maury, Linda Ludwig, Allison Douglas Turner, Mimi Hearn, Bruce Feingold, David Oates, M. Shane Pruitt, Krista Pandey, Lorraine Padden, Joanna Ashwell, Loretta Potts, Laughing Waters, Marilyn Ward, Sherry Grant, Craig Kittner, Mariangela Kanzi, Allison Whipple, Jason Furtak, Daniel Birnbaum, Brett Brady, Peter Jasturmski, Carol Judkin, Pat Gear, C.X. Turner, Kurt Paulish, Barry Levine, Richard Matter, and Barbara Carlson. And thank you to all of you who are supporting the work I do here at Poetry P and have bought the latest journal. It's been out a couple of weeks now and I let everyone on the mailing list know about it first. So, if you want to get the latest news, do sign up for the mailing. And if you'd like to buy the latest journal, head over to the website and click on the link on the journal page. It will take you to where you can buy it. Only if you want to, of course. Thank you once again. As you know, there's a monthly prompt from Poetry P on our YouTube channel. This month, the prompt came from Richard Bailey. Thanks, Richard. If you have a little video, around 20 seconds long, taken in landscape mode, that's quite important, that you think would be a great prompt, do send it to me. The idea behind it is to leave your poem in the comments and to give some love and support to other poets who've done the same. Linda L. Ludwig is reading all your poems and choosing a selection to be featured on the podcast. But today, I've chosen the poems from August and September of this year. Don't worry, Linda's choices will be on the podcast in January. So today, I'd like to read you these poems. From August Joy as an act of resistance Summer Night Deborah A. Bennett Sunlight on the Kaleidoscope of Butterflies Martin And in September Wild Geese, a whistling locomotive going south Anna Maria Domberg-San Cristoforo. Falling dusk, a lone bird, its own feathers. Radamani Sama. And now I have a little prezi for you. A snippet from a chat I had with Stanford M. Forrester, the illustrious editor of Bottle Rockets. To put the chat into a little bit of context, Stanford and I were having a chat about next year's offerings. Let's just say it's Kerouac's Centenary and leave it at that for the moment. Now remember, back in episode 17 of this series, Mark Gilbert and I briefly spoke about Richard Wright. We were speculating as to whether he would have changed anything in the haiku he wrote for his book, Richard Wright, Haiku, This Other World. Well... As Stanford and I were chatting, he said.
1: So it's interesting because when we we had talked about Richard Wright, I went back into my haiku library and I realized that I have an older copy. This, I believe, was the first paperback. This book came out, I believe, in 1998. I was working at Yale, Yale University Press, at the time this book came out. The editors are Yoshinobu Hakutani and Robert L. Tenner. So they mentioned in their editor's note where the manuscript was. And I actually hadn't bought the book yet. So, I mean, I had seen the book. I had eyed the book. But my expense account for buying books was out of control. Not that it stopped me. But I, so I remember reading about this in the editor's notes saying, it's at the Beinecke Rare Book Library. I just walked over and they said, yes, you just need to fill out this form and whatever. So they hand me a, basically almost like a menu of their manuscripts for Richard Wright. And there was 74 feet of shelf space for Richard Wright that Yale has. And out of that seventy-four feet, and I don't remember how many boxes it was, there were two two boxes of his haiku. It, you know, they were the contents were listed. So I went through both boxes, and one was it was like a folder with typed paper, and then I can't remember the other one was. They were both in notebooks, and I believe one was maybe written in pencil. But the interesting thing is when you, you know talk about Richard Wright too, is that Blythe was a very heavy influence on him. And I just noticed this this morning. I'm looking at this book on Richard Wright, and then I'm looking back at the four volumes of R.H. Blythe, and the typography is very similar. And what I noticed is in Blythe's four volumes, all his haiku, you know, they have, this was at the time, this was the convention at the time, Every sentence starts out with a capital letter, yep. uppercase, all three of them. And now, you know, a lot of times we don't, we don't even do that sometimes for proper nouns. And he ends, I believe, pretty much everything with a period. And that's exactly in how Blythe, and then the other interesting typographical thing is that if you look on all four volumes, I mean, a lot of the Blythe poems, the first line is indented and the third line is indented, leaving the left line really being the only, the second line being the only one justified left. And Blythe does that all the time. And I remember when I was kind of getting into things back in the 90s, early, no, late 80s what I'm saying, that that was the same thing. A lot of people were doing that. Richard Wright, Really, kind of unfortunately, I believe, focused on the five seven five, yeah, uh, which is interesting because here he has. he's reading four volumes of Blythe that are not five seven five, and his poems end up being in five seven five. He has the way of looking at things like Blythe. And the thing is, you know he only wrote Haiku for eighteen months. My theory is that that he was still in the process he was definitely a working person and he knew that. And to me, if I looked at these poems or I do as an editor, I say they're pretty damn good poems, but they could really, you know, it wouldn't have hurt to collaborate with somebody that was more of a haiku person. An interesting thing too is like, I think you had mentioned in our conversation, like Ben Ga had said out of like a hundred good poems, you might get one good poem. I'm the same way, you know, I'm like, Mm -hmm. like my first book, I think I did it like was 30 poems out of like six or 7,000 poems. So what's interesting to me, what they say about Wright is they picked, what was it? 680 something poems. I think
0: it's more, I think it's more 817 out of 4,000.
1: Out of 4,000. So that's, you know, so, you know, Ben and I are talking one out of a hundred. Richard Wright's talking one poem out of four that are ending up in a book. That's a very high ratio. Basho didn't have that ratio. No, he didn't. None of those guys had that ratio, one out of four. So the interesting thing too, and I can't remember one of the notebooks, but the other notebook which fascinated me was that they were typed on onion skin paper. So they were going down the page on onion skin paper. And that's the typewriter paper we used to use. You know, when typewriters were fading out, that paper kind of like, Disappeared. But so that's what his poems were on. Now you're thinking, remember, this is pre computer. So what happens if he revises a poem? You know, me being OCD, I would have probably re- retyped all five poems, all 10 poems. What he did was he retyped the poem and cut out the poem almost like it was like a fortune cookie, yep. you know, like a, just a strip. So he then taped this, the revised poem and taped it over the one.
0: The original, okay. The original
1: one. So here's the interesting thing. So it was completely taped over four sides. Yale peeled off the right side of the, if you're looking down the right side of each, you know, haiku that was on, taped on top. So you can lift it up and see what the original haiku was. Wow. And as you know, sometimes your the original one's better than the revised. <laughs> And 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 then sometimes it isn't. Like, I mean, how many times have you written a poem? You've done like 15 versions of the poem, and then you say, you know what? The first one was probably the better one. Best, yeah. Mm -hmm. Or sometimes it's, you know, the, you know, there's no, you know, sometimes it's the opposite. Yeah, the 15 times worked, but not always. So it was very interesting to me because I was looking through them through an editor's view, and they were like, I was knocked out by a lot of the ideas. And he's he's very much, he was an existentialist. He was friends with Simone Beauvoir, him and his wife. You know, he knew Camus and he knew Sartre. Mm -hmm. So his haiku actually has that in there too. And then I can't remember if it was in the the book that was um, edited, you know, introduction by his daughter, Julia Wright, you know, the one we just talked about, the first one is that they said, well, you know, he maybe didn't know the rules. And I saw in his own handwriting, in pencil, he was writing on the side: simile, personification. So he knew when he was breaking the rules. And I have, I have the gut feeling that he was like, "What? He was in a writing process. So it's yeah. like, okay, this is these are the things. And do I say, okay, I'm going to break the rules, knowing it's that because I want to try to expand, or let me worry about it later because. To me, this is the pointer saying these books. It's like, no, he wasn't there yet, but he was getting there and it's such a tragedy and, and his poems do have something to offer even though he wasn't there yet. But yeah. the tragedy is that we hadn't seen his poems on a more developed stage.
0: Yeah, I think that's quite important to say. I mean, if you read all 800, which I know you have and I have, yeah. you can pick out ones that are are there, you know, are definitely there.
1: You don't read four volumes of R.H. Blythe and still write five, seven, five. So that convention was very, very strong. And I actually, there's another book, I think called Black Poets of the 20th Century by Dudley Randall. There were other African-Americans writing haiku. The language that that is used with, with these black poets is so rich i mean it's like saturated it's wonderful and you see that you also see that in Wright stuff but it just, it just needs. it's it's like a bonsai tree just one little clip here a little clip there and boom yeah you're there that's the tragedy i would suggest that people that there would be another book out publishing all the different versions like what they did regina weinwright did with kerouac's haiku There's three or four different versions of the haiku within the different um, notebooks through the different chapters. So you can see how the poem evolved. So that would, for scholars, that's the key.
0: Wouldn't that be great?
1: Yeah. You want to have an editor, a poetry editor, edit a poetry book. If you want to play cricket, you don't have a rugby editor. You have a person who, you know, you know, or you're writing about baseball, don't have a person who writes football, right? Find a baseball editor, you know, that, you know, you, you could pull out, you're doing, you're doing a better service to, to the, you know, from acquisitions and, you know, and, and again, he, you know, the thing is he did, you know, this is posthumous. So, you know, he didn't have um, a say in, in the end, maybe he would have changed some of the poem. You know.
0: Basically what you're saying is that, Richard Wright is not the only black American who was writing haiku. Maybe our next challenge is to find a black poet who wants to explore this. I thought that would be a nice way to round up our thoughts on Richard Wright, although there might be quite a lot more to be said, so watch this space. Thanks, Stanford. We'll see you back here in March for a little bit of Kerouac.
1: My pleasure, thank you, Patricia.
0: So Stanford will be back with us at least once next year and he'll be letting me know about a haiku contest all around Kerouac and the Centenary. And when I get those details, I'll send them to you in a mailing. Yes, another reason to go and get yourself signed up for the mailing on the website. And the favour I was going to ask of you? Well, as you know, I don't have a presence on Facebook. So could you let people know that Poetry P exists and that will be open for submissions again in February. I'd be really grateful, thank you. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Do come back early in the new year for a workshop on colours and to hear more of my favourite haiku and senryu from this year, as well as Linda's picks from the PTV Haiku prompt. Don't forget, if you haven't written your poems in the comments section on the YouTube channel, then Linda can't read them and they can't qualify for inclusion. So do head over to the Poetry P channel and write some poetry. Till next time, keep writing. And do let me know if there's something missing from the show notes and I'll sort it out for you. Ciao!